I'm Wade. Um, currently, <laughs> I'm Wade. I'm creative director at Backroads. Hi, I'm Samu, and I'm the managing director at Backroads. And we we run a branding and design agency um, based in Rosebank, where we consult on brands and do identity work for various brands. I feel like uh, you guys are very intentional about the things that you uh, bring in your life. Like every single thing seems to be chosen. Why do you think that is? Man, I'm so particular about everything. Um, I don't know why that is. Um, I like things. <laughs> so I like things intensely or deeply or whatever. So it's like if I'm into watches, like early on, I got like deep into watches. And I'm like always sort of doing research and stuff on that. And then anything I get into, I get like deeply into so like cooking now, design shit in general, I suppose, but cooking stuff now. So I, I don't know why that is. Uh, well, I think maybe I don't want a lot of stuff, but mm. the stuff I do have, it's like it's really considered or thought out or whatever. My dad has a lot of stuff, too much stuff. And that... I feel like that's all our parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I definitely don't want to be someone that has like a lot of stuff, but yeah. What, do you, what makes you say that specifically? I think it's always interesting when... Uh... It's just very intentional how you guys mm. like uh, put stuff out. The way you speak about certain things. The way you... When you speak about certain yeah. things. I think most people just like sort of give out all the information they have in their minds. Because you have that access to 5,000, 5, 30,000, mm. 100,000 people. Mm. Like we're living in a generation where you could literally right now share more information about yourself and like the things you care about than people a hundred years ago would have ever dreamed of. Mm. Like no, definitely. that was not possible yeah. to most people. And it was probably not interesting for most people to do as well. Right. It's like, I don't think people were as interested in other people's lives, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And think about how, how that is where it's like you could have lived <laughs> well, someone once said you used to be able to use you used to be able to have a second family just four blocks <laughs> away, <laughs> and and now and now you can't do oh, that. Oh no, there's <laughs> no chance of that. There's no yeah. chance. Of that. <laughs> so it's like that's how. Well, not secretive. I don't want to say. I don't want to use the word secretive, but that's how much you could keep to yourself. Right, it wasn't all of your life mm. out there, and now it's almost like whether you want to or not. There, even if you're not socially active, there are people around you, and it's like, yeah, you know, people do have some kind of access or mm. know certain things about you that you just can't. And because I think there are people who, and we all have some mm. followers and whatever, right? I know the people that actually like the shit that I put out and uh, we were in a meeting this week and he was like a, a business consultant and he was like wait you posted like a concrete wall with i don't know a concrete some wall green. with some green on it or whatever it's like why did you do that <laughs> it's just like i don't even remember doing that but it very much sounds like something i would do and it's like i know that there are people who like that i i think 90 percent of people it's just like it's whatever you know mm. and i think I, I or you become more like okay maybe some people will like that maybe some people won't but i've just gotten so used to just doing my 
unnecessary, pointless stuff, taking a picture of a milk bottle or <laughs> any of that stuff, because yeah. that's kind of just whatever I'm looking at. How do you think um, the way society is shaped, right? Like, it's very easy for people to assess how creative expression from a distribution standpoint has changed, right? So, like, now a photographer takes a picture, he puts it on Instagram, we are done. Hmm. Photographer takes a picture back in the day, has to process the film, how does he even get it seen, mm-hmm. right? But how do you think the world has changed in terms of um, creative expression from a production standpoint in the mm-hmm. difference of worlds that we live in? Mm. So that's a very interesting one because, <clears throat> what's it? There was a mass Def interview on Hot 9-7. And, you know, he's talking about why he's not why he and even all the artists, Andre 3000, etc., who very much have something to say but are not putting something out. And he talks about how the algorithms, as he puts it, right, quite ominous. And, but they do shape how music takes, how, how the, the, the work uh, takes shape, um, how quickly it takes shape, all of those sorts of things. So even when you look at music, for instance, songs are shorter right two minutes because you've got to get those plays up because mm-hmm. you're trying to get those royalties up yeah so it's you you're not making that five minutes six minute song and when you think about some of the epic you know songs of the past bohemian rhapsody you know some of the pink floyd you know jams it's like six minutes you know, and you're just yeah <laughs> and you're just to a five, getting that i listened to a five minute track yesterday i was like this there's well. something insane about this mm. If you listen to like Devil in a New Dress or something on like oh, it's no it's no ways. lots of music and then lots of talking and then lots of you know the ad libs and the skits and the, even if you think about like Easy late talking. registration or whatever it's like there's like fourteen I, I don't know how many songs but so many of them are skits almost every second one because you're kind of building this like whole landscape mm. or this whole like picture around the the idea, right, mm. for Kanye was never like, oh, let's just do volume, right? Even mm. with, like, the newest stuff where it's like, a cool, just seven songs, it felt more intentional, you mm. know? But I think also the way people engage with music back then, it was like, cool, you have your CD or you're in your car and it's like, you have the time to consume that stuff. Now with mm. my stuff, it's like, cool, I'm just listening to the same four Baby Keem songs <laughs> or, like, <laughs> the same... Uh, you know, whatever Spotify now recommends, yeah. it's like I will go find people like Baby Keem. And it's these people who have not many views, not many listens, not many. And it's just like, yeah, but the 808s hit in the same way, <laughs> you know. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think we've, it's, it's predominantly because we engage with stuff in, a, in such a su- su- superfluous or superficial way. It's like, so instant so you know and it sounds like a cheesy thing to even say but yeah. really we don't really have time for for that kind of stuff because mm. we're bombarded with so much mm. sort of stuff and that i think your question was like how has it changed the quality has definitely changed mm. right would you say it's worse worse yeah. for better i would say it's uh, that yeah. mean? <laughs> i think it's it's i think it's um i think one it's far better from just the standpoint of competition right so without these distribution sort of these platforms and all the visibility it brings you just didn't get 
um, as many people doing it. So now the hot photographer isn't just hot because they got the right agent and, you know, they got that one Vogue magazine cover. cover. It's like people can actually see and judge for themselves across a myriad. So it's hard for the, I think it's harder for even good people to get to the top and access is still Mm. very much a part of when you get those opportunities. But I think that... everyone has to step their game up because it's quite apparent mm. when you're a poser in air quotes or when you're not as hot as everyone else is saying you are and people people will call that out right and institutions credibility goes with that right if you're someone saying oh this is the best so such and such photographer or musician or designer but everyone else has seen the design work that's out there and of people who are celebrated and not celebrated and you're busy saying this is this is the one, and people are like, actually, no, he's not better than. Yeah, I say I say it's gotten. What what did I say? Better for worse. Better for worse, which is a great way to put it. And right? it was like, the quality I think is it became more acceptable to do. Okay stuff, you know, and I think a lot of okay <laughs> stuff is a lot better than like five good five like exceptional things yeah right Mm. which is i suppose ironic coming from me because i think i am annoyingly particular or any of those things right but i think the like the way we funnel the stuff we like or the way we choose the stuff we engage with i'm i much prefer like um you know if we're talking about like interior Mm. stuff it's like people with good taste doing more stuff versus like the the five people who it's their thing sort of Mm. to engage on i don't know I, i prefer a volume of good than like a few just like exceptional you know Mm -hmm. and then i mean i think with what i'm engaging with or some of those things it's like it doesn't need to be exceptionally uh overproduced or any of that right it's Mm -hmm. like if the if it's cool it's cool right and a lot of the stuff i like or if it's cool to me then i think it's it's cool obviously everyone has their own taste and opinion on what Mm -hmm. stuff is actually good yeah but like i like i love this show on youtube called the cave and it's with Kenny Beats and pretty much he has a pretty, uh, rapper in and he makes a beat in 10 minutes and then the rapper does a freestyle on it mm. and it's like his one video dude just like walking around their studio oh no I'm a fan of this the cave yeah 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 <laughs> I, 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 I think I found it maybe two months ago or a month ago it's, it's I just so, killed every episode and I rewatched them literally it, it's wild to me that like things can be that simple and that good yeah and and I think that's like the power of design or just like mm. sometimes it's just, you know, dumb luck. Yeah. Mm. Where a guy with a camera and a guy doing something in front of the camera it just sort of works out. So for example, like one of the biggest shows on Barstool Sports is uh, the pizza reviews. This guy literally walks into a pizza shop, does the um, review right outside the pizza shop, literally just eats it and then rates it. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is terrible. But then you go to like watch the top episodes and the beauty of the show is what could happen, right? Mm-hmm. So there's one episode where a homeless person walks by and says, hey, can I have some of the pizza? He's like, oh, yeah, sure. And he gives him, like, half the pizza or whatever. And, like, it's that sort of, oh, wait, like, something beautiful could happen here that, like, no one else could have, you know, engineered yeah, or yeah. created or anything like that. Like, the simplicity of that for me is just like, whoa, it's crazy. <laughs> Definitely. And I think even it, we talk about luck and all those things, right? It's like, Kenny Beats, for example, is an exceptional producer, right? And he, in in his own way, has access to a whole lot of incredible resource and all that stuff. And it's like the way he chose to do it, so off the cuff. So, And then 
without trying really to like make a, an important thing. It's like someone asked him or whatever, it's like, why did you start this thing? Because every time he would be in the studio, his friend would be like, whoa, you really just did that. Imagine if we were recording, you know? But it's because he has such a good, uh, I can say product. His production is so good. Mm. Um, and then the rappers he has on, or the, his friends are just like so good. So, I mean, the, the, the thing he's most popular for of the cave is the thing with Zach Fox, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is hilarious that they went viral. And he was like so annoyed. He's like, I have so much good music <laughs> with real artists and incredible. And it's and like, but the thing the that thing. pops is a joke sort of meme rap about like what is it it's like yeah do you think um you know just having this flat structure where anyone can do anything right so how do you think that affects the quality of the work that actually gets out um in terms of what actually breaks through you know like what you're talking about with Kenny Beats, right? Like, he's done incredible work. But the thing that broke through is so different from what, like, he would have cared about. Yeah. And I think about, even for me, like, of all the podcasts I've ever done, the one that's most popular is the one I hate the most. Mm. Because I was like, I really hate this episode. It's not the right episode. This is not the episode that represents the essence of what this podcast is. Mm. Do you guys ever do a piece of work, right? And this is the work that you're like, oh, it's cool. But like, that's the one that broke through. <laughs> Which one is the one you're thinking about? No, I don't. Well, I don't have a uh, one I'm thinking about. I just know that even between us, there are things that I really love that you're just like. Absolutely not. Nice. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> you know, he's just. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think what um, some of that stuff is. For me, it's like people will gravitate to whatever it is they, and I don't think that's always like um, over-intentional or any of that mm. stuff, right? Like, again, a lot of the stuff I like, it'll be for a very small particular reason why I actually like it. I think from a work point of view, I think a lot of our stuff is, and for better or for worse, right? Very, like you said, intentional about this. So I can kind of gauge what the, the sort of reaction to it might be. And unfortunately, I think that definitely dictates some of the stuff we put out versus the stuff we don't put out, right? We have a lot of bigger corporate stuff that is objectively more valuable or more visible in a, that we just don't talk about. Because it's like, for me, not interesting that people like, or I don't think it's interesting that people would engage with telcom, the telcom business rebrand on our Instagram. Whereas if someone was talking about it on LinkedIn or if, mm. you know, it, it's like all these things have their own place and their own channel. Mm. Um, I usually, like our Instagram is very summarized, very edited, very, for better, again, for better or for worse, right? I, I, I think about it in some ways that a while. It's like, yeah, we should just do more, just put more out, be less. And there was a point where I was like, no ways, you know, it's because I'm so, I try to be quite um, specific about those things. And then I, there was a time where I like was less serious about it, but I don't know. I think it always just sort of defaulted back. Uh, for us, I don't think there is that project that mm. everyone loves and I hate. I think it's because in, in this space, it's probably more... Um, it's it's not near really example. like people gravitating towards work because what you, what you do rather get is um, the work being out there. Mm. And when the work is out there, you almost want to attach your name to it. 
So for instance, you know, uh, and again, it goes down to which rooms. So I, when we're sitting like this, we're not going to talk about telecom and, and we might not talk about yep. But if I'm sitting with a potential client, I'm going to talk about something I know they've seen. Mm. And whether or not I love it is inconsequential. It's for them to be like, oh, yeah, these guys have done real stuff. A great Sorry, yeah. <laughs> a great example is the O and one thing, right? So, like, it was literally the thing we started the business with, right? Mm. Now, for me, it's like I, I don't want to put anything out about it. I, I'm so over the idea that because it was really for the longest time, it was the only product we had out. Um, but still, every time someone wears it or someone comes up to me or, or someone's wearing it, it's like, man, we love the on one thing. When are you dropping more of that? When are you, can I still buy it or whatever? And I'm just like, it makes me cringe almost because it's, it's like an idea that's four years old now at this point or something. And I just, I want to do new stuff. And a lot of people still like that. And, and I, I just like want nothing to do with it, even taking it off our store. It's like I, I didn't want it to be available on the store anymore. We have a little bit of stock. It's not like an inconsequential amount, I think. Yeah. But it's like I was done with that idea and almost sort of don't want anything to do with it anymore. Although it's so pivotal to so the back roads. Because I have literally one last play on it. Oh, please <laughs> get I, it, bro. I don't want to hear yeah, about it. I need it. to try. <laughs> I don't want to hear about it. You guys just released um, you know, a photo series around agency. Mm. Like... It's really beautiful written you know, description of what that was, um, featuring some of like the most interesting. Um, I want to say like it's it's so hard to put people in these boxes. Like I don't want to just say front runners, right? Because I definitely think some of those people are like the people that are definitely going to lead the space in like very near future. Mm -hmm. I always think that some people see it before everyone else does and like you guys sort of found a way to curate some of the most interesting creatives in Joburg or across the continent because one of them is like in a different place but um what did that mean for you guys and why did you make it ah uh, it was and it was a long time in the making right i think i told samu that i had this agent this idea for agency early last year or towards the end of 2019 and I, it, it, I think fundamentally came from this like blur between or a, a misunderstanding of what we are as backroads, right? Um, there were people who for the longest time thought we were a t-shirt brand, which is obviously our fault. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, people think we like only sell product and only do that. And then there's a group of people who understand that we're a uh, brand or design consultancy or agency or any of that. I always wanted there to be the two things, right? Um, and almost us coming from a very formal agency industry background for me in sort of leaving that. And it was after two years that we were like, oh, let's do this agency thing. It was like a couple of things. One, I felt like it's a very basic thing to call out, especially in a, in a creative space. It's a very sort of, uh, you know, industry focused term and all of that for me. But importantly for backroads, it was like, are we an agency? Does does me does it mean that you're an agency if you have a junior designer, an account manager, a copywriter, a traffic lady? You know, and for me it wasn't because for the over the two year period and what agency meant to me was like being able to work with Anthony on his brand and have Anthony shoot our first lookbook, right? Or like um, Maneo coming to mm -hmm. us 
for to do her her book cover which was all like incredibly meaningful things to us and at the time it's like wow you really want us to do that you know um and because we because we consult a lot on corporate stuff for me it was always important to strike a balance to do the things we like with the people we like and and all of that you know so i mean it was an incredible <laughs> cost of friends i think that you're sort of alluding to and really we have in very close ways um deep relationships with all of those people mm. from a backroads point like and them engaging with backroads which was incredibly meaningful to me and that's what agency was right it's not about those corporate structures it's not about the bureaucracy and how many levels to get an idea out it's that um and again there are a thousand people i would have loved to be in that shoot because we have such talented and incredible friends you know um which is really the reason why we're doing this also a lot of them at the time were starting their own things it was at the same time that we were ready to do backroads mm. that Anthony was doing studio bila mm. that Kenny was doing one of that even you know the until until guys were really how we became sort of uh mm. uh sort of aware of them it was like all a, a bunch of young people mm. being independent and with that sort yeah. of independence spirit you know so as much as it was um I want to say calculated and considered it was almost like because it was the end of the year and because it was like kind of covid vibes we we made a few tees that said agency on it backroads pty at the back and I was like you know I don't want to sell these but I would love to get portraits of our mm. friends who run their own independent practices and whatever that sort of is mm. and I want to say unintentionally but it's like you know Maneo's a writer Neo's a photographer Anthony's a director and photographer Alia's a jewelry designer you know I'm creative director someone's managing director Binware with Baby Vogel is doing like incredible stuff and it was like if you look at our close sort of group and close sort of uh friends it's like incredibly inspiring that everyone's doing their own thing also you as well like with lucha mm. and stuff so i i do want it to be an ongoing thing mm. <laughs> because i think and uh, what i hoped people would resonate with was was what you're kind of touching on is like it felt like um being independent and being creative mm. in south africa at a time is an important thing to call out right mm. because um it's you have to be kind of crazy to be doing it yourself at this time right yeah. and that's what i think it's like we're actually doing it with a bunch of other people you know um that it's not just me and some and that's what agency was about it's kind of putting everyone's uh i mean mm. stuff out yeah yeah no i think so definitely and it's um more so is the is the, <laughs> no okay, okay. more so is the 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 push right because agency is typically, and without issuing on the industry, um, you know, it, it, it's typically this kind of, as Wade said, structures, buildings, offices in Santa, and et cetera, et cetera. And I think that there is a huge shift in what it actually means to be an agency because you have a lot of these kind of incredible, incredibly talented designers who sometimes are punching above the weight of a full traditional studio <laughs> humble brag but uh, <laughs> are, you are you talking about us bro? <laughs> like mean, you know it, it's 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 and they're all doing their own things right yeah. and it's new businesses and it's and it's a new face and a new way that this industry can look can operate more collaborative um maybe potentially less of the behemoths that are kind of like sitting on everything and and more sort of single smaller studios and, and and operations really collaborating with each other to tackle 
and to get to these, you know, these bags and, and to these big accounts. And even on the other side, I would say that the clients themselves are also seeing the, the need to not or not needing to, to go through these big cumbersome agency mm. processes and rather to get to the point uh, very quickly. Mm. But yeah. Would you say that like this is sort of um, the shift that happened with, you know, those like massive organizations like say, okay, I'm not going to give examples, but like you think of just how the traditional company was thought of like say 20, 30, 50 years ago and how those companies changed the way they operated, how many people they actually needed and the things they focused on and realize that you needed smaller teams, not bigger ones. You mm. needed, like, agility and not, like, structure. Mm. You needed, like, to be adaptable, not to be rigid in the way that you think about how things are done, right? Do you think that this is actually the time it's actually happening in the creative um, industry? But not just that, but, like, branding, marketing, you know, advertising. Mm. Are they starting to, is, is the model starting to change to more what you guys are trying to do versus, you know hey, we've got a massive building, 150 people, mm. we are so staffed up. <laughs> Look, and I think, unfortunately, for a lot of agencies, I think 100% it is changing. I think COVID fundamentally showed, like, um, sort of some of the inadequate, I suppose, systems or out-of-date systems and really showed that you can be a lot more streamlined, you can be a lot more focused. Um, I mean, when we started Backroads in, like, 2018 full-time, it was almost a reaction to that, you know, like actually we can do great things in a more efficient way, a more productive way, in a way that is more focused um, as a way to deliver more value to our clients, right? I think everyone knows like retainers can make people complacent or make people uh, sort of comfortable, especially in the creative industry, because it's like, you know, you have a, a, a chase list, right? It's like cool. We have a chase list of 100 things that need to go out. I'm going to brief it to these 10 people. And then, um, you know, it's going to start with a junior designer. And then a senior designer is going to think. And then the creative director is going to review that idea from that, you know, hot young junior who's like got all the ideas. And then it's going to get to an ECD level. And it's like there were so many levels to get an idea out, really. Mm. And it's, 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 I want to highlight, it's not necessarily um, the... Uh, we came from an environment where that, that was less sort of structured in yeah. that way, but still I think um, the majority of agencies run in that way of like levels, right? Mm. It's like um, the people who have the ideas very, very seldomly get to have that idea out unadulterated. <laughs> mm. <laughs> is unadulterated. Hopefully that's the word. Um, unadulterated. <laughs> no, but it is. It's, mm. it's that it's you're running it through so many filters. And meanwhile, as Wade said, the hot young designer or creative and the person who originally had the idea can't get it through. And then you think about that, how many good ideas die even before they can go through that process because, you know, the, the ECD, and again, not speaking about our personal experiences in the past, gotta <laughs> cap that. But it's, it's that in, in those other agencies is that, you don't have that shared perspective, mm. right? And all of a sudden what you're saying doesn't make sense to this other person who's from a different generation, who did things differently, who operated differently than how you see things now and mm. how 
you operate now. Yeah. And so, you know, a good idea can die trying to shift people's because you're, you're not just communicating the idea. You need to get them to see it. You need to change the framework. You need to change that. Mm. And so lots and, of And to be clear as well, I think there are a lot of bad ideas that need to be. <laughs> <laughs> like there are a lot of, and, and me being a, a young designer thinking, oh my gosh, I have this great idea. And it's probably not as good of an idea. And it's like, I think I, you know, have the answer and blah, 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 all that stuff. And it's like, sometimes you do, and, and more our experiences, it was never about like killing that idea necessarily. Mm. And we worked at a great agency called Grid where it was like, we were very much in the fold of yeah. being able to make the work um, at a high level, mm. which was, in, but it wasn't like, oh, kill your idea. It's like, mm. you know, you became sort of aware of what, what made ideas good. Right, mm. because we had these great men yeah. have these great, great mentors, mentors. Yeah. and people who have a great understanding of uh, sort of how to de- how to deliver value to client, right? So I think that that's precisely it, right? Is that when you talk, or rather, that's my view of what leadership should be, because the idea almost, at, uh, uh, or rather, accurate from what we saw wasn't that they were trying to necessarily tell you specifically what to do. It was almost like, okay, you've got this idea and you've, have you done all the thinking? Have you asked these kinds of questions? And then, okay, once you've done that and it's okay, it's good, there's still the job of selling it. And so a lot of that was more about structuring you and helping you understand like, oh, these are the other dynamics at play. Hmm. Yeah. It's not just about having the yeah. idea and then it's not even just about selling it to client. It's like, is what you're selling... Uh, does it work? Does it mm. fundamentally work? And for us, it was brand brand identities, mm. right? Which is like, there's a thousand questions to ask after you have an idea, right? Mm. And that's just, you know, that's like working somewhere. You know, us running our own thing now, it's like, there's 10,000 things that um, will trip us up or can trip us up from landing a piece of business, from winning a tender. You know, it's like, it's not just, is your idea good enough? And I think what we've uh, tried to take f- from our sort of experience that great. It's like understanding what makes something good, mm. understanding how you sell that, right? And then um, if it's a good idea, sort of how it works across. And and if, if if it doesn't work across all the necessary mediums, or if it doesn't even, I mean, truly tick your client's uh, box in terms of what they're trying to achieve and all that, it's like, then it's less about how good your idea is if it doesn't even work (laughs) in application in that small format Mm. for your audience, you know, all that kind of stuff, which is what I I would say agency structures are good for, Mm. you know, and and I want to speak specifically about our experience, why our experience was so good at agency. Mm. Yeah. And like, I think there's still this sort of, um, it's like, ideas fight to survive in these structures. It's not that you're enabled to explore ideas enough that there's more chances of it actually growing into something else. Mm. I always think that having an idea is actually the first step. 100%. And a lot of people actually think, oh no, ideas done? Okay, cool, we good, let's run guys. Mm. But it's actually the very first step of like something actually being built, created, designed, whatever it is. Like, I feel like there's this misconception around how long it might take to actually flesh out something. Definitely. Break it apart, mm. put it back together, make it into something that actually can be something else. Mm. In in that way, and I agree 100%, it's like ideas are useless. 
right? Yeah. It's, it's like if you just have an idea and can't execute or don't take it further or don't try it, you know, it's like what, you know, I, and, and that's an experience I have from myself. And it's, I, I try to be very critical of that, right? Where it's like, um, there is no point in us just having ideas. It's only going to be the ones we act upon, right? It's like there are ideas that Samu has and that I have that we've been just talking about for two years. And I got to a point where it was just like, I actually don't want to hear about this water brand. <laughs> and like Samu has a great idea for a water brand, right? And it would be every few months it would come up again and it's like, oh, you know, whatever. And and I got to a point where it's like, oh, actually, I don't want to hear about it anymore because we're not doing anything with it, you know? And then, you know, the, the people who are executing in the world, the people who are doing stuff and trying stuff and, um, you know, even if it doesn't work, you know, you, you, I, I find more value in like actually trying to execute stuff and, 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 um, even if it's for you or even it's for, if it's for backroads or like the agency idea took really long because there were a thousand other things we had to do with backroads. Right. Mm. Um, and then I still had to, you know, okay, cool. We're going to do it now. It's like, cool. I still have to design the t-shirt. I still have to make the t-shirt, <laughs> source the shirts, uh, you know, all the delivery, all the steps. And then it's like, oh, cool. We have the shirts. I know I'm not going to sell it. Um, let's do a shoot with our friends. It's like, cool. Who do we want to shoot? And then it's like me sort of, uh, you know, thinking about what the direction is going to be. It's like, okay, cool. We want to do portraits. And, oh, I actually want it to be studio you know, in a studio and actually I only want to shoot on 35 and 120 mil film. Right. Mm -hmm. And I want our friend Mtandeni to shoot it. Cause I think he's a great photographer, even though he doesn't shoot studio stuff. Usually. In fact, he's a colorist. He's not even a, a, a photographer. He's a director. And then it was like, okay, cool. Which friends? And it's like, you know, COVID and whatever. And we only made 15 shirts. Right. Mm. So it's like the, you limit the amount of people you live it. And then it's, um, you know, where are we shooting? And then it's develop the film and then it's shoot the video. And then it's, so it's like, like I said, there's a thousand steps to get the idea out. And the only thing that would stop that from happening is if we were like, oh, we don't have budget to make t-shirts, you know, or actually someone's like, you know what, this agency idea is actually kind of crap. You know, why are you even uh, doing it? You know? Um, so the, value of the idea for me is only in its execution and whether that's for c consumption, whether that's for people to engage with or whether that's just for you, I always think it's worth kind of executing on it. You actually need a word for that. What? For like an idea versus an, an idea expressed mm. through action. Yeah. So it's, it's like it's, once you've produced a thing, there's your idea. Mm. I suppose product is, <laughs> well, no, I suppose not really. But the crazy thing I was, I found a notebook of, um, it had a, a, uh, a sticker sample mm. from like the first week of Backroads and it was something Samu said um, that I wrote down on the sticker on the and it was your inaction will, will haunt you that and, is a lot and, and it was a lot I remember when Samu told me and but we had just started Backroads and it was like cool we're independent now right <laughs> we have to run a business we have to do the whole thing it's like but what we can't you know, we have to execute on our ideas because now there's no one to tell us we can't do it, right? Yeah. So every th that water company, that uh, shorts idea, you know, the the shorts brand idea, that it's like 
if we don't execute on those things, we're going to hate ourselves for it. And it's yeah. probably why we started Backroads, right? It was, and more from a push from somewhere, it was like, you know, if we don't try to run our own agency, <laughs> we're going to be, um, and I specifically only wanted to be creative director at Grid, like my whole life, right? That was my thing. And that was the level I wanted to get to. And in the process of being there for four years and in the process of starting Backroads with some t-shirt stuff, it was like, how can we, I mean, we have to try, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> when we're 40 and it's too late, you know, it's like... Um, What's, what was that first step slash, what was the first idea of what Backroads was going to be? And what has it evolved to now? Yeah. So I'll tell you the story and I think about it a lot. And we just recounted this <laughs> in a meeting we had recently. But literally me, Summer and Moose were working at Grid. I think I'm at Grid like two years. It might have been the second year. It was second year. And I had this idea of, um, I made a poster that just said 011 on it in brackets. And I told Samu and Moose, we were probably talking about, like, I love clothes and fashion and just stuff, making stuff. And I was like, hey, we should make these t-shirts that just say 011 on it. Um, because specifically, it's like all the ideas we had were, for, were based on briefs or based on things that were being fed to us. So I think after two years of that and loving that specifically, it was like, hey, let's try our own idea, you know? And 011 was that idea, and we made some samples. We were like, oh, let's make, I don't know, I think we made yeah. six or something. We very quickly pulled, what was it, 6,000 rand together? Yeah, it's like I put 2,000, someone put 2,000, Moose put 2,000. Just put 011 in the front, terrible blank. <laughs> you know, like it was our first time trying to make something, mm. right? So it was like a, a, not a very good t shirt. Um, you know, we wanted to silk screen. Mm. So we, you know, we, we found someone to do that, and we did it. We made six shirts. Yeah. And I remember that day when the shirts came and they delivered it at the grid office and me and someone moves went to the basement and like put them on, you know, <laughs> I have those pictures. It's actually brilliant. Um, and it was like an idea. We, we did that, right. We executed it mm. and it was never for sale. It was never, we literally made six or 12. I can't mm. remember. I think it was 12 actually, not with the intention of selling. It was just like, let's try it. And then we started wearing it. And I think a few people were like, Oh, okay, that's cool. You know, whatever. And we probably, you know, being, sort of very familiar with like agency output and sort of it was like incredible for us because it was like people were reacting or responding to and oh and one really is about where we're from right it's just mm. like we're suburb boys mm. who still you know if someone asks you where you're from you say Joburg, right you don't say oh, i'm from midrand or i'm from florida or, yeah. which is what the which is what that's that, actually very interesting yeah. except for people from Soweto who feel like they need <laughs> yeah. to tell you that hey yeah. i'm not just from, from, Joburg. from Joburg, yeah. <laughs> Um, so we did the 12 shirts, whatever. Um, there was nothing else on the back or any of that. And then the idea kind of grew and I, I can't even remember the, mm. the fine details of it. But the next sort of run we did when I think we decided, oh, people might like this, you know, after the small, really small response, we started, oh, important to note, we opened a bank account, registered the company <laughs> just for the T-shirts, right? Mm. Yeah. The idea was that this was going to be, because we were all very much working at the company, yeah. no ambitions to leave at that point. And so we just thought that this was going to be a cool outlet for us to just kind make of do something. our own cool things. Cool ideas, just yeah. like um, to sort of house, something to house our ideas, right? If someone had an idea for something or Moose wanted to do something, it would be like, mm. Yo, let's let's try and do that through backroads, right? Anyways, long story short, we ended up making a run of thirty shirts. Um, that's definitely when we came up with the name backroads because people were like, "Oh, what's the brand?" 
is the brand 011? We're like, no, it's Backroads. And we're designers. We didn't even come up with a brand for it. Um, <laughs> and then we just had the idea to put ev- list every city on the back of the shirt mm. as a way to f- further um, sort of be proud of sort of where we're from, which is the part people like about the 011 shirts. It's not the 011 in the front. It's that your obscure hood, right? If you're from Fordsburg, it says Fordsburg. If you're from Midrand, it says Midrand. Mm. So that was always the level of engagement that people sort of liked on it. Um, and then we went super hard on the experience around it, right? Like that we did silver foil packaging and we numbered each one and we did stickers and just like mm-hmm. a bunch of crazy stuff. And then we did a family and friends section where, or a small drop where we did illustrations of each person mm-hmm. <laughs> printed on like a transparency and went and gifted that to our friends, like, you know, Lazi and all the guys, right? Mm-hmm. Which is really how we met Lazi um, from oh, Beautiful cool. Boys. And it was like... Um, yeah, well, that's a whole other yeah. story, and he's an incredible sort of OG figure mm. for backroads. But, but absolutely, I mean, it's it, it's exactly as Wade said. It started off as just this kind of project, but I think very quickly, at a certain point, I think I had announced that. Well, first Moose left Grid, then I left Grid towards the end of the year, um, and we began to realize that, well, one, we just are not making enough money to put into this thing that we can also now do some of the cool, cool things that we wanted to do. So we just realized, so it started off as, okay, guys, we're going to pull our freelance hmm. into this company. It was that we were never going to be a, a t-shirt mm. brand. That was mm. of no interest to us. It was like mm. the scale you have to do it to be a brand and clothing brand. Mm. It was just something we weren't really interested in. and mm. But we did like the idea of us sort of executing on creative in general. Mm. So some were saying like, yeah, absolutely. And it was like executing on general creative and just doing sort of out there projects for ourselves. And then I think later that year, Wade came with the first real meaty <laughs> project. Well, project in 2018. Uh, yeah. Um, Which we won't get too much into the details around, but we executed. Yeah, sorry, you were going to ask. What do you guys um, define it as now? As an agency, a brand design house? Is it a, a I, I like saying brand agency. Mm-hmm. We're a brand agency. Mm-hmm. And if you see in our Instagram bio, it says brand dash 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 agency. Because I think there has always been that split and there will always be that split of us being a brand consultancy is how I describe sort of what mm-hmm. we do. And um, like the experience we went through and like the project we went through on Lucha it is consulting on all aspects of the brand, um, you know, tone, strategy, uh, oftentimes, in fact, 90% of the time, 95% of the time, design execution, whether that's in the form of, of an identity or a packaging solution or a, a sort of creative concept that leads mm. into a campaign or any of that. Yeah. Um, I would I would very much say we're a, a branding and design consultancy. And then... We like to treat Backroads as a brand on its own as well, which is why we do a lot of product, which is why we uh, like making things and, yeah. uh, I suppose, formally selling things. And, like, speaking of the experience we had, you know, um, I met you guys, I want to say two years ago. I'm not sure because last year is not really a year. So. I think it might have been. 2019. So. 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Late, yeah, late 2019. And... You know, when when people say, oh, no, you're starting a company or whatever. Oh, cool. That's cool. Um, you should get a logo and, like, you should get a brand. And they always start with the logo when they talk about the brand. Mm. And I always thought that was backwards. Like, 
I don't think that's it, mm-hmm. right? And like the experience I had with you, with you guys as being the you know brand design agency, right, consultancy, um, was like this is nothing like anything I've ever seen, right? So I've been in startups where they sort of got an agency to come in and design logos, do their letterhead and do business cards and cool guys, it's all good. Mm -hmm. Or they got an agency to do the website. Oh, cool, we're done, right? But no one ever spoke about purpose and brand mission and the tonality of how the brand communicates, how it presents itself, how it just exists. And I remember just saying to you guys, like, very much within the brand design process, just like, I feel like the brand development process, which I, that's what I called it, mm. was like brand development process. Because it didn't feel like what you guys were doing was just drawing out whatever I thought about or what, I, what we, we discussed, right? Because like, we had like a very lengthy process. Like, I'd say mm. it was a year, right? It felt like a year. I it think it definitely, definitely was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely took so a year. So it took yeah. a year. And like... It felt like a development process of constantly growing and evolving towards an answer. And that idea that we, that, the, what we spoke about, about ideas, right? Like ideas are just the first step. I feel like I had an idea of what a Lucha brand looked like, but the people that actually developed and like pulled it apart and then built it back together were like you guys going, hey, asking the right questions, just go, okay, but what does it sound like? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Okay, what do you want people to feel on the other end of this? Like all these very, and I think most companies or startups don't have that luxury or like mm. that opportunity to go through that process because like a year is a long time and mm. they're thinking, oh, we need to get work out. But like you guys were very like conscious and very intentional about, okay, this is going to take long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to feel like there were moments where I was just like, there's a reason why this is taking long. Yeah. It's mainly because this is a process and a development process, which means like we are growing through this, right? Mm. Like I feel like whatever idea you guys might have had for what Lucha would look like, the first meeting we had versus mm. the last one is completely different. Yeah. And I would agree fully. And I think especially, I think speaking about the process and speaking about the, the project we just all embarked on and, you know, when we met you specifically, it was very much and i think speaking about lucha specifically and speaking about you it was that we loved the business we loved what you were doing we loved the the level of thought you were putting into what you were doing and for us as and i want to say almost selfishly it was like you as a person and your idea for what lucha was is what attracted us to want to do the brand right Mm. so there are there are people and brands that we're very fortunate enough to be able to uh, consult on and execute on. And we felt like Lucha had this potential to be exactly what you wanted it to be. And I mean, that's sincerely, it's not like we came through and, uh, you know, told you what business to run, you know, it was like the, the opportunity to do it was, was one thing. And then the fact that it is an African podcast network being led by you and not someone who's talking about doing podcasts, someone who's doing it, someone who's about this life, you know, um, was definitely something we were sort of attracted to. And then specifically, I think from an identity point of view and speaking about the process we went through, it, 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 it very seldomly, and we told you as well, it very seldomly um, is executed the way we did it. And we very seldomly have the luxury to actually go into a business, to be let into a business and really think about what the best 
sort of approach would be to engage uh, people or what the business stands for or what the uh, business should sound like and look mm. like and all of that stuff. So it was a it was a um, a great opportunity to do it. And then you let us <laughs> take our time with yeah. it and and be sort of hands on with it and all of that. And which is why I think we, we were all so proud of sort of the outcome, you know, over the course of a year, you yeah. know, and your patience even <laughs> around it. Um, it was a process that we were able to sink our teeth into and then with you sort of deliver and define and redefine and, and sort of shape what Lucha needs, you know, or, you know, what you really want Lucha to be, I think. I think that definitely, even, it might even be true for a lot of like sort of uh, popular brands, right, is that, in essence, at the beginning, you need a very strong idea or a sense of identity already, right? Mm. There's and and the problem is, uh, you know, a lot of businesses, as you were saying, you know, some people feel like they should get the brand done first, mm. and I'm, I'm for that, and also against that. Like I know that um, the reality is that if you've got money and you're a startup, you need to spend that money where you can make more of it and keep going, right? Mm. Um, so you're going to spend it on your product first and you're going to spend it on your service and, and all of those sorts of things. And in a weird way, you should still have the brand there. But I feel like what people need first is that identity, right? And not necessarily the visual aspects, but the philosophical or cultural understanding of why and why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. Right? And that is important because ultimately... You can get the logo down the road, but it's hard to change your cult, your business's culture mm. and purpose. And down the road, if you don't have that figured out, yeah. you're going to, when someone does propose something great, it's not going to gel with your organization mm. because you kind of grew it haphazardly. And one of the things we speak about in general, and it's very, it's mm -hmm. us being self-critical about ourselves also, but it's like, do you have a product that's worth branding? Do you have mm. a product that's worth advertising? Is, is your product good enough for um, for people to engage with? Ultimately, that's what we're dealing with here, right? Mm. And it's like when you do have your sort of fundamental idea and structure and like um, your approach of how you want to do it, right? You're not mm. saying, oh, I want to... Uh, I just want to bombard people with content. That wasn't mm. your thing, right? Your yeah. thing was about, um, you know, being the voice of an African sort of uh, youth or uh, I'm, I'm, I'm generation generation yeah, yeah. <laughs> be the voice of an uh, sort of African generation I should definitely know that after the uh, <laughs> process we went through uh, and that as an idea is fundamentally great and then not that you were just like oh I'm gonna do that it was like you went and did it and you started a network and you started um, pulling the voices together, you know. And at that point, it was easy for us to see that, yo, Lucha is incredible and Lucha is going to be great. Lucha is a product that's worth putting time into and worth doing a brand around. And then really, you let us do that. So, you know, we started out the process. I, I don't even know how many presentations we had, so many. But it was like... <laughs> but know. like, I think with each presentation, I realized like, you know, some of you mentioning <laughs> just like, um, just that having... A, a very definitive and like like clear why mm. but everything else being built around that so culture mm. and every and product and service everything else mm. built around like that core why and then everything else it's like i feel like people think of it 
the other way around and like that's broken and i think in the brand-led world right so now people really sign on to brands like mm. with everything they 100%, have 100 percent, yeah it's not just about the product that you're gonna give me like the product is okay but like if i really want to care about who you are and what you do i need to get to know you and i mm. get, need to get to know you like at a fundamental place mm. that is a very different thing from i like the logo i'm gonna buy the product yeah, yeah. I feel like you guys understand that difference, but also like do the work to make sure that people mm. understand it themselves. Mm. Yeah. And it, I'm not just talking about from a Lucha perspective, mm. like I've seen the other work that you guys have done with the different organizations. And I'm like, there's intentionality about the way this is designed, this way, the way mm. this feels. And for example, with um, images for, for Lucha, there's noise factored in, which is mm. like, to me, as a basic creative, right? I always think there's, there's, there's three levels of creative. There's the creative that's still trying to find himself. Yeah. The one that thinks he's found himself and the one that sees everything. Mm. You, I think of you guys as seeing everything. Putting noise into the picture for me is like, holy shit, we're a podcast network. Of course, the pictures would have noise. Mm. But I wouldn't have like thought Take of that. that. And like, there's another brand where you guys use these colors that I looked at and I was like, that's insane. There has to be something deeper or like much more meaningful mm. about the way the colors are used and how they're placed on there. Mm. I'm like, how do you, how do you guys see brands that you design now, right? And how that influences the way they run their businesses? Because mm. I think of you guys having influenced the way Lucha will be built mm. for the next five, ten, hundred years, and I wonder, just like, do people understand the power and value of brands beyond just design? Mm. So, from it's it's definitely uh, it's unfortunate to say. I would say that it's a hard no, mm. right? That you definitely, you know, the Simon Sinek's are out there preaching the the gospel. Start with why. <laughs> You know, and, 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 and agency, and it's even, it's not even, it's even you get it when people use the start with why, right? But ultimately, it's just a framework. Um, you still have to fill it in with the right stuff. And you can, and people will have, people will come up, oh, yeah, we, want, we, want to, we want to bring innovation. And that's why we started the business. And that's, that's not a real meaningful why, you know, being innovative is almost, you know, it's breathing now. You kind of have to do it. So it's it's really this. It, I think there is kind of a, a a misunderstanding of what people mean when they say like, you know, building something with purpose and meaning, and and having it be at the core of what you do. Mm. And I think ultimately, you know, people want to see the design so they know what their collateral looks like. But people are not, and and for large organizations, I can understand why. But people are not quite as obsessed around the the need for everyone to kind of be in a brotherhood or in a you group know a click yeah. <laughs> or group or something that's like where you're bound mm. by values and you're where you're truly bound by values right mm. when you think about what is the worst thing that you could do to a family member that would have them you know excommunicate you or you know mm. you'd have to have a fundamentally deep betrayal of something and i know that's a dark thing <laughs> but, but that's but what I, you're but I, 100% no, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but that's I, I swear of, yeah. you know i was thinking about this i was like 
joining startups always feels like joining a cult. Yeah. And you get indoctrinated <laughs> on mm-hmm. the values, yeah, on yeah, yeah. the systems, the ways of working, the processes of like communicating, how to address mm. different things. And you're like, whoa, mm. this is religion. Yeah. yeah, exactly. See the good the good rebrands and the good brands and the good organizations, right? It's like when you do propose uh, a sort of positioning or when you do propose a, a, even an aesthetic or when you do propose like a, a meaning or a purpose behind a business, right? There's, there's really two kinds of people when that happens, right? It's like you get people who like latch on it and will be like, actually, yes, this mm. is how we should run our business, right? Because again, people don't care about logos. And even when we were doing your process, it was like, by the time we got to doing the identity, it literally didn't matter what it looked like, mm. which is the incredibly mm. liberating space with for a designer, for me, right? At which point, the only thing I have to think about is, you know, what's the image treatment? Mm. And you know what? I'm actually going to put some noise in it because <laughs> that's like smile in the mind stuff, right? It's like, I don't even, I'll, I'll never explain that. It's funny. It's, I, I didn't even rationalize it over intentionally in the brand, but it's like, for Lucha, we wanted that texture, right? We didn't yeah. want things to feel flat. We didn't want, how do we do that? It's like maybe, think, you know, adding some noise, which is a great sort of metaphor, I suppose. For Considering the <laughs> positioning. I'm exactly. not sure if we can talk about that because I always talk about it, the noise, the noise. Um, but it's like... And it came, from, the, the idea yeah. came from the, the no, strategy. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, we can yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so everyone knows around the noise, really, it, it was this idea around, I suppose, when we branded Lucha was coming up with that philosophy around unmute, which was essentially um, about really giving a generation that for the most part is being looked over, skipped over uh, a real platform and space where you can hear your worldview and you can put out your worldview and and kind of have that be centered and 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 seen and finally be able to view the world and understand it mm. and engage it through our lens and our experience, which was the idea. Yeah, it's it's yeah, unmuted, yeah. unmuted a, was a really about giving that voice, mm. which is what Lucha does is giving a voice for African generation. Right? Mm. It's like, and um, it doesn't matter if you're popping. It doesn't matter if you have a thousand followers. You know, the, mm. there were there were. And you'll probably see it in the brand as it sort of lives and but it is sort of unverified, unfiltered, unedited, you know, all those kinds of ways that I think as African youth and as young African people, we are that. Mm. And I think it's finding the house or the the place that people can go to engage with content at that level. And then um, I think fundamentally there be a brand that people believe can execute on that right and, and believe that people can give mm. a voice so even and, and then it's like it is the um when you do have that foundational sort of strategy and understanding and stuff it's like when it's time to do the assets when it's time to come up with the identity and when it's time to almost bring that strategy out of a sort of presentation deck and sort of into the world it's like are we creating the assets that allow mm. lucha to be able to do that and people will see it it's kind of a flexible identity in that it needed to work on sort of multiple things. But also it's, you know, the the thing I'm proud of about it is the logo specifically. It's like you couldn't make a simpler logo. Yeah. <laughs> just fundamentally at a, as a, at a level of a logo, right? It's like if you just have a shape that becomes recognizable or a rather a shape that stands for 
a group of people, a cult, for example. You know, actually, someone <laughs> told me the other day, it's like, oh, you know, Backroads has like kind of a cultish vibe to it, you know? Oh, yeah, and I think all the best brands yeah. have that. <laughs> and almost I, it was incredibly flattering to me, right? I don't want us to be, I don't want us to be seen necessarily as, oh, this like group of people that it's like only if you get it, you get it kind of yeah. thing. If you know, you know. But it's like, I think a cultishness comes from people buying into the product, buying into the brand, buying into a mindset or a tone, you know, which was fundamentally for Lucha. And again, not to, I mean, it just happens that tone is one of the things that we really spent a lot of time. You heard us, you heard us talk about tone a thousand times in a a presentation. It it was super interesting for me that like we're talking about, you know, we need to design a brand. But the thing we spent most time on was like, what does it sound like? Mm. And like, it makes sense, Podcast Network. But yeah. more than that, it was just like, you want to communicate different medium to a bunch of people. You want to do that in a very controlled and like very focused way. But you want to do it in a creative and engaging way as well. Because you want to break through the noise, right? And you want to be able to reach people in a way that like really matters to them as mm. well. And for me, it was like, interesting that like with most people I had conversations with that were like trying to get brand design and whatever and like get you know um, assets they weren't speaking about okay but like is the designer asking you what things sound like because I needed to understand like is this process crazy or not (laughs) and most people were just like what do you mean? What has sounds? See, like, m- <laughs> most people would say, "Where's my logo?" Right? It's like that. Has been, <laughs> why? Why are you coming to background? Like, the yeah. the logo came way after all the other work was done. Like the yeah. logo was almost one of the last things. Yeah, it it was literally the last thing, and almost again speaking about that process, it was because we spent time trying to define everything except the logo, right? Mm. And again, I don't think. Well, it's 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 just uh, a fact of the process that people do and especially when people come to agencies and stuff it is very much about i briefed you on this where's this right mm. and i think what we hoped and what our vision for what the lucha identity would be was that it would be obviously more than a logo right mm. because uh, to be honest you could go to canva or you could go to any of these places and get a logo right mm. and it would be objectively good and, and there are clients i would just recommend that too mm. right mm. where it's like if you just want a logo you can get a logo for, mm. I saw, a, a, you can get a logo for free, right? In mm. fact, you could do a logo yourself. In fact, the logo you had before wasn't bad, you know? <laughs> oh, <laughs> it yeah. was like, no. And that I, was from Canva. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's because there was purpose around your organization from the beginning, mm. then it, that's a better place to start off than like, oh, let me get a logo. And then being open to the process of actually uh, doing a brand and designing a, it's, it's, it's actually like we're designing a business, right? Exactly. <laughs> and like, yeah. that's what I said is like, throughout this process, it felt more like a business development process mm. than a brand development process. But also, I didn't even know a brand development process was a thing, mm. but like, not just a thing, but something that I felt more people needed to invest in because mm. If you get that right, right, it goes, it feeds the why as well. Mm-hmm. So if the purpose is much bigger, then the culture of the organization and the people you attract mm-hmm. is much good, is much better as well. I always think that like, without the right culture, everything else falls apart. Exactly. 100%. And if the brand influences that culture and like feeds into how people like buy into mm-hmm. it, this is one of the most important building blocks of any business. Mm-hmm. But why don't people see that or treat it that way? 
and I think it's exactly as you're saying. I would, I would go further to say that it's it's just the culture, right? And that everything needs to feed out of the culture. And so, really, the if you're going on a branding process, and this is what the strategy process I feel in some respects is meant to be, is that you're meant to with the business define what the culture is in a very real way, right? So, mm. like when you put out that. A list of I think it was 10 values at Nike those pillars mm. right and it's not you don't there's no innovation on there there's no oh we're about people and, but the, the 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 lines were like hard hitting mm. and they spoke to the attitude of like how we live work breathe die in this business you know mm. and that resonated and it's almost like now when you've got that list of 10 things you can give that to the agency and be like, yeah, we're a sports company. Come up with an identity that encapsulates this, mm. that can communicate or that. come up with product that encapsulates yeah. it. Come up with podcasts that encapsulates mm. it. You know, it's like when you have that cheat sheet and that cheat code, you don't have to think about every time what you're going to look like, what you're going to sound like. Because what's we right take for you. What's, what's right for you, yeah. what your audience is going to like. And, you know, it's, it's, it allows everyone to sing from the same hymn sheet, right? Mm. And again there's there's two kinds of businesses right people that use <laughs> that hymn sheet that we create or that that uh mm. and really create together right this even the lucha process i think you were as much a part of us coming up with the solution as uh we were you know mm. um but it's like you can use it and actually have it fundamentally change your business and then you cannot use it and have it be a, a sort of aesthetic thing and i think you know different businesses require different solutions right it's like mm. because lucha has uh, rather Lucha is about people and it is about people um, engaging and people sort of sharing their opinion and stuff. It it did need to be something that reached a wider net than say what a, you know, if I come up with a shorts brand, it has a different fundamental need and actually that identity for a shorts brand um, doesn't necessarily require the, the level of engagement that, uh, you know, an, an African podcast network would. Mm. you know and the 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 scale of that task and the bigness of the that sort of requirement is something we love mm. doing and then still believing that you would execute on that was the fundamental reason why we wanted to do it in the first so place so i think yeah that's definitely the fundamental differences and that's why i say it it often takes you or someone in the business or or the leadership of the business already kind of believing in something Mm. Because more often than not, even when you do come with the cheat sheet, like Wade said, it's use it, don't use it. And people, if they don't really believe in it, right, if it's not there in inception, they they kind of lose it. Which is why, you know, in all of these big brands, it's it's not, I would say that it's not a coincidence that, oh, yeah, Apple is this huge brand, but but Steve Jobs was like about it. You know, that virgin uh Virgin as a brand is yeah, a whole Richard thing Branson. and Richard Branson was like about it yeah. you know about mm. it and and it's because you know if the leadership you know I always say that the outputs of culture are bottom up but culture is top down right mm. like your leaders define the culture your people bring the the outputs of that because people will adapt and fit to what the mold is and ultimately if your leadership doesn't buy into what it is you're trying to do as an organization how it is you're trying to be etc etc you never really get the the rest of it from the design from the product from the mm. it never comes together in the way that it needs to if you don't have that key philosophy and if 
people in the org or the leaders of the organization mm. do not also in fundamentally buy into yeah, it. Which was something I've loved about brand and design in general from the beginning, right? It's like you can actually get someone to change their view about something, right? Mm. Like me and Samu pretty much designed every single, I probably told you this, <laughs> like every single F&B bank card, mm. right? And even when we were, whatever, 22 or 23 doing that, right? It was like, um, wow, I can actually make someone... I, I, I find it so crazy that you can say that. And like, this card is in everyone's wallet. <laughs> yeah. You designed something that yeah, we did the, everyone engages with. We did the brand architecture for, right. for F&B yeah. and subsequently that led to everyone redesigning else. all their cards. <laughs> and everyone else That's doing, true. you know, we proposed mm. back in 2016... How doing you, vertical how, cards. How can you say that? And like, yeah, do you know, like, like some would so design that card. I promise me. you. So it's so crazy <laughs> to me, right? That, like, where where design reaches, mm -hmm. yeah, is so far beyond what mm -hmm. people think. You designed the FMB card. Yeah, all the cards, and it was, and again, it was from a, that sort of top-down principle. And we were at Grid when we did it, and it was like about creating an approach for how people engage with their cards, right? So even in your wallet, for example, there's that little tab, so it shows you which is the premier, which is... But again, this was a long time ago, right? And we proposed vertical cards for F&B in 2016 or something. Mm. And then Discovery came out with oh, vertical in cards. Invention. The tech wasn't there to yeah. produce it at scale. The guys in China would have needed to change their machinery, you know? But it's like the... What I've loved about brand, and I, I only say that card thing to say, like, you can actually get someone to care about their bank or, or when I got my first F&B, when I got a gold card, <laughs> and, you know, I was 20 or something, mm. I was like, wow, I have a gold card, you know, F&B takes me seriously. And I'm like 18 or 19 or whatever, <laughs> you know, and that was a huge thing. And it's like, when you get to design how someone is supposed to think about something or, or be able to change someone's mind about something and say, actually, I like that and I don't like that. Mm. That's an incredibly meaningful thing. But going back to sort of brands that work and, and the brands we're really proud of making, it is not the ones that, you know, maybe gets the most likes on social or whatever. It's the ones where we see a sort of innate understanding of the application of the brand in the business, right? We did mm. a, an identity for a, a great agency in Durban called the Niche Guys. Mm. Um, and you might have seen the work. It... Uh, it was the, the exercise from their sort of team and they're a creative agency, right? They, they could have done the brand internally, mm. but they wanted their staff to be excited about the company that they work at and, and be um, sort of custodians of the business, you know? Mm. And again, it's a, it's a great <laughs> to be able to have a creative agency trust you to do the brand of another agency is a, is a great thing because I think going outside to sort of define that organization is not something that happens that often, mm -hmm. but I think in recognizing what, like I think the back rows ap approach to treating agency brands is quite specific because the point of that is for your people to love it mm -hmm. and for other agencies to be jealous of the identity you have, you know, but overall a good identity can rally everyone behind the business. And I'll promise you that does great things for your agency culture, for the quality of, and and when your agency culture is good, your quality of work is probably good, and mm. your 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 bottom line is probably good, and your your and again I don't want to uh, you know <laughs> we're not taking credit for no. sort of the way businesses run and stuff, but it's like um, you know the Absa rebrand when that all happened right? You remember it was like sort of a big thing, mm. 
and we were kind of outside and inside. We were aware of the process that was happening. And obviously there was a, not a very good reaction to it in the beginning. I think it was quite uh, sort of, especially with the well, scale of it and whatever. It people picked oh, yeah. it apart. And Africanacity, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the yeah. whole thing. And almost people's opinion of it was irrelevant because the ABSA organization, their morale and their sort of the way ABSA went about creating that and the 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 scale at which they did it and the launch and the, it made the, the people in their business feel like their company cares about them, you know? Mm. And I mean, it's, and it's, that's, a, it's and a, that's an interesting thing because the one thing about Absa that you have to understand, and I love that as a case study, is that that was a brand that was being dismantled for almost a decade. Mm. So if people don't remember is that Barclays was in there, right? Mm. And it was actually going to become Barclays Africa. And so over a decade, there was no fresh new apps of work. They were essentially trying to slowly decommission the brand. And, and then eventually you would just have Barclays Africa. And there were some Barclays Africa outlets. Like yeah. where I live, there was mm. a Barclays, the apps of branch was Barclays Africa. And so it, 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 it becomes now you're, now you're needing to, and obviously Barclays pulled out and they have their reasons for, mm. for divesting from APSA. But they left APSA with this whole, the organization was left in a, a position that they were not in 10 years ago. You know, now they were all over the African continent mm. and they needed, and they were no longer going to become Barclays. They were now going to remain APSA. So now and they you, needed to... And you basically left with like half a brand. Yeah. <laughs> you left. And then... The, exactly. The, and now they need to somehow reown their place mm. and their new narrative. Which, which people forget about brand identities, right? Is these things happen oftentimes to solve a business need, right? Is like the 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 sort of pull out of Barclays, for example, means that ABSA has the opportunity to, for, uh, you can imagine what the brief is, make ABSA relevant in the African continent. And relevant is even probably the wrong word, right? Make ABSA visible in a way, in a new way. Make mm. ABSA look new, uh, make ABSA feel new, you know? Mm. The success of the ABSA brand, it is, it's in its sort of ominous, it's so ominous now. And again, people love to shout about brand identities, right? People love to shout about logo changes, which I have a theory on that it's an incredible thing that design has become part of a sort of cultural zeitgeist in a way. You know, the CIA oh, yeah. identity, people go oh, crazy yeah. for it. Not, we're not affected by the CIA identity <laughs> at all. It doesn't matter what gotta, font. And, and honestly, I don't like it at all. Obviously, whatever. But it doesn't matter, right? But yeah. everyone who has a Twitter and has an Instagram cared about, is, it. Cared about right. it, right? And the same with Burger King when Burger King did their rebrand. It's like, I thought that the, was really interesting. and I loved it. It was beautiful, mm. right? And when you go to the extent of an ABSA of a Burger King, the investment in an identity is substantial because mm. that affects everything. It's in your <laughs> Thousands of chains. It's, it's, it's in your wallet. Yeah. It's in your wallet, right? It's yeah. like, I, wow, I have to actually note a shift in this business's value, right? Mm. And again, you can speak about the campaignability of it and maybe you don't like this and maybe you don't like that. But I think the fact that people have become so accustomed or even so interested in identities is an incredible thing. Five years ago, no one cared what a brand <laughs> looked like, what a color palette was, what 
the typography said about the organization. <laughs> sure most people were getting their logos from like internet cafes. Oh, yeah, of man. course, and it, and you please know, make me a logo. Please make me a logo, and that's. And I go register my business. Everything <clears throat> starts. Exactly. Who cares about culture, values, exactly, identity, tone? No, <laughs> just give me a picture. Just give me something. And when you are like, and again, we're very much in this industry of like you know creating this, um, creating these new brands and stuff, but like. It's a great thing and a terrible thing that brands can be torn apart online in this blink of a second yeah. without, and we can talk about apps, but also without built and, up. and built up mm. at the same built time. Up? Yeah, in an instant, crashed in an instant, in an instant, and from a design, no one knows what the brief was, no one knows what the business objective is, no one knows what the strategy is, no one, but the logo means something that, or rather, it's a sort it's of present. thing that people mm. feel that they can, and and it's a great thing because I think. In ge- or, or what's good about it, rather, is I think everyone, um, in their own way, is aware of uh, uh, or, or, or are more interested in aesthetics and what things look like and how things sound like. And that, you know, we can speak about the democratization of good design, democratization of good design. And that's a great thing, right? Because I think before it just no one was interested in. It's like if Standard Bank did a rebrand five years ago, no one really cared. And they need right? to do a rebrand. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know, I'm putting it out there that the brand is a I mess. I think they're on... What are they doing? No. Uh, I, I get lost in these like, taglines. all over the place. <laughs> We're working like, on a bank at the moment, Bella. It's fine. <laughs> we can do that. What do you think of... You know, I've seen... And I think there's a difference in the, the way people approach things, especially with technology, right? So, like... There's some photographers that probably just hate Instagram. They mm-hmm. think Instagram's ruined photography. Yeah. But it's made it so much more accessible and mm-hmm. also turned everyone into a photographer. Yeah. Right? Do you think of, say, Canva and go, hmm, um, it democratizes design, right? But do you think that's a good or a bad thing for where design is going or where design is right now? Personally, I think it's a, an incredible thing. Yeah, mm. I'm all for it. Um, Same. I think that really what platforms like that are not a threat because for me they offer the it, it's a different it's a different tier of service that mm. is absolutely fundamental and necessary. Right, if you're starting and you're a small business, you do kind of need some of those basic elements for people to take you seriously and for mm. and it, it's not even for them to take you seriously, right? You don't need a logo, but, you know, it's kind of like where that conversation around, oh, do you have a website? Don't you, you should get a website. It's like just those Mm -hmm. little things sometimes really are the difference. Mm. And so having that and having it be accessible means that a lot more people can do it. And I think that fundamentally the service they offer and what we do is so different. different. So different. But also Mm. it shows like the value of what you're doing as being, way different as well yeah. right so i can get a logo but i can't build a brand off of whatever i get on on camera Canada, exactly. you can't yeah yeah you you can't have that sort of guide your organization mm. or, or any no. of that. and i think the great thing about canva the great thing about squarespace and the um it it is giving people good ob- objective you can get an objectively good logo on canva in fact your mom could create an objectively good logo on Canva with mm. color palettes and all that stuff. What's that? There's so many logo yeah, generators, right? Yeah. And um, it was funny. We actually played around with it earlier on. It was like, you, you can also look at it as a way to 
generate, even for us, right? And, and we, didn't, we did it once. It didn't really work. But it's like how many options or how many ideas can you execute mm. for a brand using a thing like this? Again, mm. we're designers in the most classically trained sense of the word. But it's like if you give a designer a sort of, uh, what, do you, what, what do you call those kind it of businesses? Kind of, it, it's, I mean, those kind of websites that's like, like WordPress. No, no, it's like generators or logo generators yeah, and stuff. Generate. It's like if you put the, a logo generator tool in the hands of someone who can design, you're going to get a great result out. Oh, so yeah. if you use that as a way to churn out examples, if mm. that's the way your business runs, for, for instance, it could help you fast track your process of getting to the point, right? Um, and if you give me a, a logo generator and you give my mom a logo generator, what I'm going to come up with is going to be fundamentally different, right? Mm. But that giving or allowing the um, everyday people to create good brands is a good thing. We mm. don't feel like that fundamentally um, affects our business because we do, to be honest, cost at a certain bracket and mm. deliver value at a certain At a instance. certain scale, it, it, it gets technical. Yeah, mm. It's not just about what it looks like. Yeah. You're now needing to, well, as you said, you're defining culture for a whole organization. You're... And then there's even down to the details of, okay, this logo needs to go on this and that, mm. on a billboard, on a digital. And how does it go? And on? how, and, mm. and it gets really, really technical. And for a lot of businesses, it just doesn't need to. And mm. there are, we get a lot of people who come to us and just be like, hey, I need a logo, but don't have the, 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 the need for a backroads process mm. or, or they're too, you know, or they're at the beginning stage or if they're, you know, and I would, and even if you don't have the budget, for example, as a simple thing is, if you just need a logo, you can get it quickly and cheaply. And because my our process is very intentional and very long and very, but if you need something quick and objectively neat, I would definitely recommend that kind of thing mm. for 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 people. Yeah. Using, I think you know? like your process is very much for one an organization that understands that how they present themselves to the world is going to come out from the work that actually comes from this process, mm -hmm. right? That's one. But two, they understand that we live in an age where someone with a laptop and decent internet connection can compete with them from anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. And if there's that much noise, right? So, for example, the, life, the lifespan of a tweet is apparently like eight minutes, okay? Wow. So every tweet you put out is eight minutes long because... There's that many tweets going out at any one time. So obviously retweets sort of give it more life or extend yes. this lifespan. I think of brands being one of those things that breathe life into an organization and extends its lifespan mm. and can actually make a company last way longer than it usually would. Definitely. It can even make an organization be worth more. Definitely. Like, for example, <laughs> you think of Tesla, like, I think that's a brand thing. Yeah. yeah. At its core, the people, the reason why people believe so much in it is because its brand is so exactly. strong. Mm. And you think of any other thing, yeah. Apple. Uh, yeah, and you know. Tesla is a great example. Mm. We used to have a slide in our presentation that says, um, "You don't know, in the faster carriage." Yeah, yeah, don't don't build a faster car. Faster build a Tesla. Carriage, yeah, yeah build don't a Tesla. Build a <laughs> <laughs> and and fundamentally, that's about. It's like yeah, you can. If you want to make things faster or just do things for iteration sake or whatever, cool, you can do that, right? But if you want to actually fundamentally change an industry or change the way people engage with product or make people believe that, you know, electric <laughs> is the way to go, it's like, mm. let's try and build that for mm. you, you know? And you think about how important that, 
and and the Tesla one for me is particularly, I think, a great example because they didn't have an advertising agency or like a branding agency. I think maybe when they did the logo and all yeah. of those things in the beginning, but they don't. But they didn't at the time actually, and still I think don't have a. Oh yeah, we're where we've got this agency who does all our stuff. And that's very much a culture company, a company that's driven by culture, support its consumers are also very locked in in that yeah. culture. And it's that whole thing that kind of builds and perpetuates the the narrative of the business and makes it so much more valuable. And and when you think about what the mission of Tesla is, which was, you know, which is to shift um, towards this renewable energy space, you think about it as, you know, their job isn't just to produce these cars, but it's almost to make the reality of a green world possible awesome. and real yeah. and make it loud. And cool. And <laughs> cool. Yeah. Before, and it wasn't, sexy. It, it wasn't yeah. cool to own an electric, electric car. car. You know, you want a Nissan Leaf or you want a... The smart car hybrid, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the Prius, Prius, Prius. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, yeah, but you think of Tesla, like you go, oh, it's like, wow, oh, it's a cool thing, yeah, you know. But and yeah, it, it it is a, and again, I think we're talking about brand in the broader mm. sense of the word when it comes to Tesla because they, um, their approach to business manifests mm. in their product, right? The mm. fact that you can get Netflix and play mm. Mario Kart or whatever in a Tesla speaks to that culture. And I think that mm. is top down and I think Elon being the face of it and whatever, but there are a bunch of smart, cool people, I imagine, who fundamentally understand what Tesla needs to be mm. and are doing a great job mm. of doing that. But it's funny, me and Samu said when the, you'll know Backroads is doing good when we both get Tesla. <laughs> 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 and until then, don't, you know. Like, uh, but anyways, I, I think Tesla is a great example of mm. a, a, a brand that has its values mm. whether again whether you're you like elon musk or not i think he's a bit corny at the moment mm. and all that stuff right but it's like um the ability to capture and engage an audience on a product that never really existed mm. in a good way or a cool way or um in a way that people or that made people mm. think about the design of things and, mm. and all of that is and then fundamentally redefining the category right it's yeah. like completely every I think there's, I can't remember what the stat is, but it's like every car manufacturer will have an electric vehicle by 2030. Mm. When Elon started with, and I don't think the car was that good. The first one, it was like, not a chance. Your company's mm. worth nothing. Obviously, it's worth a lot now. Mm. Um, and it's because I think he mm. let, or, or sort of founded an organization that was fundamentally supposed to be different at its core. And that manifests mm. itself in its product, right? Yeah. And again, the product is worth shouting about because the product yeah. is good if he yeah. made a crappy car no one would care about tesla right yeah <laughs> no one would care about day, the culture of the organization exactly. no one would care about rocket blowers or i mean mm. i mean what's it flamethrowers flame mm. um mm. but think of that as being part also the power impact of brand is like mm. they literally can make anything anything exactly flamethrowers yeah a tequila, I think they. Yeah, they just did. And the packaging is insane. <laughs> Have you seen it? It's like I a lightning bolt. Packaging, but I saw the bottle. Well, mm. yeah, the yeah, bottle packaging. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, like and like, I think that's where things get super interesting. Yeah. Where mm. people trust brands enough to make sure that they will create something valuable enough that Definitely. they put it. So, like, you trust the brand that they wouldn't put something out if they didn't believe that it could be like really meaningful in the market. Definitely. Like you think of whether it's from Apple or Google or Nike, where they're going, okay, we can play anywhere. 
Mm. I think one of the biggest communities in the world has to be the Nike running community. Yeah. yeah. That's a technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's nowhere near where, like, what Nike is supposed to do core, right? Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. But now they go into content. They go into, like, driving communities into mm-hmm. doing actions, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, um, Google. And guess what? It's great for selling shoes also. It's insane. <laughs> you know? Because, because like, you're, now you're fundamentally rewarding people. Fundamentally, yeah. in your mind, you're also just going, I mean, I use the app. Yeah. Shoes yeah. must be great. <laughs> Why? How can I wear Adidas shoes if I'm mm. using the Nike running app? <laughs> and actually, if you run more, I'm going to give you points for exactly. it. And all my, I'm going to beat my friends and, 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 and. And that, you know, at its core, whatever Nike's core belief is, is probably to, uh, you know, engage people on on multiple levels of their mm. brand not just about running it's not about being the fastest yeah. it's about being like it, you'd rather be okay fast with your homies than be like the fastest one you know around so <laughs> so if if you think of that like okay apple wants to do make um a car as mm. well now. yeah mm. um nike built uh basically a, the one of the biggest communities using an app mm. um so that's them crossing into technology yeah um google trying to solve internet access across rural um, communities across the world, well, that's way more aligned with them. But yeah. like, this idea that brands are fundamentally um, spirits that can manifest anything. Mm. Do you think that there's enough South African organizations that are thinking of this in this way? And where do you see the future of like brands um, from this point on where you know they they're just spirits that can literally just create or develop whatever they want depending on how much the people that really mm. care about them mm. um will will buy into that look i think i think the big shift that has to happen is that i think south african brands and organization have to start taking their people seriously mm. i think i think a lot of brands just treat their clients like they're stupid you know Whereas if you do think about like Apple, for example, they go extraordinarily out of their way and take a bunch of flack to create a product that is fundamentally probably better for what the person wants. You know, I mean, Steve Jobs' whole thing was like, actually, you don't know. Actually, the consumer doesn't know what they want, right? Mm. You have to take and understand your consumer in a very serious way to be able to develop a product that like actually makes their life better, right? I don't know. For South African brands, for me, it's like, I think we're, you know, and and to be honest, I think us being um, in a sort of developing third world sort of thing, I don't think many brands have the opportunity to, uh, I think, really engage their audience in a way that, because I think we have fundamental, very um, basic and unfortunate problems in our country that are way more important <laughs> than like, you know, cool this and, and yeah. sort of cool that, you yeah. know. I, I think exactly that is that if I think that one, yes, like Wade said, I think organizations culturally need to change. But I think that a lot of, <laughs> and there are obviously world-class things that South Africa does that are world-class, yeah. right? Our mm-hmm. banks in our financial sector mm. from a technology perspective, how it works. You, you know, you take for granted that you can just bank online and on your app and you can go somewhere, like you can go to America and there are things you have to go into branch to do. Mm. And in South Africa, you know, not really. But, um, you know, there are fundamental flaws <laughs> and I'm not an economist and, and all of these things, but I think there are just fundamental flaws in how our market is, right? It's mm. not highly competitive, very much 
you know, base needs. You know, you think about a, a small thing like internet access, right? Yep. Uh, there was a stat that said, what's it, when you have really deep internet penetration, I think something like over 60% or over 70% of penetration, you know, it contributes to your GDP by five points, mm. right? When do they attribute the, the accessibility of internet and the creation in that space as one of the key factors that pulled the American economy out of the 2008 crash, right? Mm. So you think about the value of that and then you think about how inaccessible data is here in South Africa. And so how many things are we not getting simply because I can't afford to pay the rate of data, not because I don't have the ideas or the skill or the, you know, and then there's obviously the, the history of why mm. I can't afford that. Mm. And so the lack of those fundamentals, which is, further exacerbated by the lack of competition, right? I can only buy from MTN and a, few, a handful of, 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 mm. of providers. It, 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 it feeds onto itself. There isn't a need to compete. There isn't, it's hard for new people who have a desire to flip the table mm. to actually get in and, and, and compete and, and actually try to do that. And so there are a lot of mm. At flaws that, point, that need to be It, that need it to doesn't be even matter how Celsius treat them. <laughs> what they look like right? at that point it doesn't matter what the yeah. salsi identity is right it's yeah. like if fundamentally our issue is a lack of internet access because it's way too expensive or because uh it's completely inaccessible you know um and like i i think that feeds into sort of you know the these iconic brands that we're talking about who have had years of a sort of great environment great environment great, environment. great economic circumstance you know like all those things to sort of and again i don't think they're you know, Apple has their issues. Tesla yeah. has their, they all sort of, Look, but yeah, it's, it's not, it's, it's not easier, right? It's competitive yeah. mm. and competition pushes the need to be better. A lack of competition means that people can be complacent and they can decide that their best is the best. Even when someone else is sitting, knowing that it can be better, even when we're getting all of these other things, you know, it's the SABC not being able to respond to Netflix in an adequate way but you know you look over at the bbc for instance and it's like well you know the bbc makes it work you know they've got amazing content that not only british people watch but people all over the world watch you know so it's like where's that kind of thinking when you come mm. when you you know try to compare apples with apples so it really is is that sort of the lack of competition the complacency i think and it's and it has less to do for me it's it has less to do with the talent of the people. I think the people are here. I think the talent is here. But, you know, when you just can't get into the room, into the door, get the funding, can't afford the connections, mm. it, 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 the, the little problems kind of stack up. But, mm. you know, and it's all compounding, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like brand won't fix those fundamental things alone. Mm. You know, mm. we could, you know, we could maybe... Uh, propose something that fundamentally changes the way people think about the brand. But again, if that organization internally will be closed in five years, <laughs> you know, because of the way it's run or because of the the lack of, uh, and again, I'm not, it's funny. Mm. I think opposite somewhere, maybe most people, I don't care about innovation that much in mm. a, in a brand space or in a, uh, any of that. I think there's fundamental, I think we have a lot that needs refining also, right? Mm. Uh, so new things for the sake of new things is not is sort of not that interesting, but I think fundamentally um, the the shifts that need to happen, like we're talking about, or th that that 
are worth having are happening or should be happening mm. at a ground level up, right? But when these companies are, and mm. a lot of our big South African brands, it's like, it's a, it's a sad example um, if we talk about Edgar's, right? They mm. had all the opportunity to be around forever. Unlike Woolworths, for example, who only had Woolworths brands, who only, uh, you know, mm. Woolworths is fundamentally about basics, doing basics well, right? Mm. Edgar's had Nike, Levi's, Addy, everything cool. And unfortunately, they couldn't um, sort of stand out in an e-commerce world in a uh, 21st century way, right? Whereas they had all the, if you were to ask me 10 years ago, where, would I, where I would rather be shopping, would it be Woolworths or Edgar's, for example? But I think fundamentally, mm-hmm. Woolworths' essence and their sort of, uh, the importance they put on brand, for example, I think... Woolworths takes their customers seriously. Mm. I think Woolworths people believe mm. in the Woolworths brand because the Woolworths brand have that mm. defined for themselves. I think, unfortunately, Edgar's couldn't sort of get out of this sort of space. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people could learn from Woolworths. 100%. Like, it's yeah. wild to me that basically 80% or 85% of the products inside the store are theirs. Yeah. Um, and... You go to other stores and like most of the products are not. Yeah. And, and the price th- reflects that as well, right? Yeah. So people are um, aware that Woolworths is better because, oh, sorry, Woolworths is more expensive because they're probably going out of their way to make an incrementally better butter, right? Mm. <laughs> and probably going out of their way to, um, but let me tell you, the Woolworths butter looks better than the <laughs> pick and pay butter looks better than the, uh, they probably taste the same, although the Woolworths they one probably is come from the same manufacturer. Pr- but again, <laughs> that understanding that your customer might want better or might want to strive to be better, right? It's like mm. not everyone can buy um, Woolworths products, but the fact that there is an understanding mm. about why Woolworths mm. is is what Woolworths is, for example. Mm. And, and it's weird. As you said, you know, when are we going to get these South African brands that can manifest into lots of different things? I think that in a way they do, some of them, right? Mm. I think like, you know, it's, um, it's F&B coming out with their mobile uh, card. Yeah. SIM card and offering, you know, data and those sorts of things. That, uh, um, what's it? I think, is it Checkers? Or is it pick and pay? I think that is now trying to compete with Superbalist. But mm. again, I think I always go back to the fact that it's even when the behemoths, the big businesses do go and try to make those innovations. Again, you know, you're competing only within the South African market, um, which is only sizable to a certain degree. And then and only relevant to a certain degree of people. Right. Because yeah. we're so. T- yeah. mm. And then it's like. And then it can only happen so, it can only go so far. The, inno- the innovation or the change or that difference can only go so far precisely because of some of the deeper sort of structural issues of where we operate and how we operate. And, you know, kudos to South African businesses that make it and that continue to try to make it and continue to try to bring innovation and, and try to bring new thinking and fresh things to the space. But I just think that our fight to do that is so much more uphill also highly unnecessary <laughs> i would i would think that you know if people would get on board with the necessity to kind of change and 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 really open up the markets and really open up market accessibility i mean i'm thinking about the 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 kzn um i'm not sure which forum it was but they're 
but they're the the twenty thousand rand license for 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 to grow uh, marijuana, right? Mm. I mean, how many South Africans will ever have that amount of money to just fork over just so they have a piece of paper that says they're allowed to? Mm, yeah. You know, we haven't talked about now the, the needs of actually farming, right? The water, the the land. The <laughs> and so already you're you're cutting off so many people who might very well have the keys and the ideas and the knowledge you need to be an innovative leader in that space, but... Already, you know, yeah. you, you just don't get to yeah. because you I don't. Think there's, there's a lot of like barriers mm. yeah. that really hold back like creativity, innovation, and like um, the limits to where we can actually push things. Mm. And like, I hope that the future looks very different. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm going to let you go. Oh, uh, thank, thank you so, so much. much really, really, time. really appreciate the conversation. No, um, but also, like, the incredible work that went into the Lucha brand, I think. Um, we'll probably sort of try and um, match the release of the podcast with mm. the release of the brand um, being very conscious about how that looks and like what that works how that works um, but yeah thank you so much guys dude thank you for having thank us you. I mean we're excited to even be here and be a part of the Lucha brand and you trusting <laughs> us with all of that as well so I'm excited thank you yeah glad thank you no thanks for having us